Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm privileged to be joined by Barnabas Piper, who is the author of a new book, which is a part of a new series, all centering around how we ought to love the church and how lovely the church really is. The book is called Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. It's a real privilege to talk about something that is so uh, cherished by God himself, the church, and it's a real privilege to be joined by you, Barnabas. Thank you for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself? And I say that knowing I've read the introduction to your book. You're very <laughs> upfront and, and straightforward as to why you wrote this book on belonging. Uh, you have a little bit of a connection to this story, a little bit of a struggle with feeling that you belong in the church. So for our listeners who don't know your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'll start I'll start where I am today very briefly and then back up to how I got here also briefly. But uh, so I'm, I currently serve as an assistant pastor at Emanuel Church in Nashville. Uh, I've been on staff for well since 2019 and I've been at the church for uh, a, a couple years prior to that. So I've been here about five, six years. Um, but that that's sort of the the end of what was kind of a winding road in a lot of ways. So I grew up in the church. I, I learned to love the church early. Um, and then I have always been part of the church growing up. So at, at various points, you know, my dad was a pastor. So I grew up in the church, stayed, stayed in the church. I never had kind of a period of time where I left, but I have not always had a very easy relationship with the church due to all of the ugliness that can exist in the church and then plenty of ugliness in my own life as well. And so I arrived at Emmanuel in 2017, pretty cynical and and worn out. I still believed in the church as a concept, but I didn't have very high expectations of, of what it looked like to find life and meaningful relationships there. And then through my time at Emmanuel, I began to see mostly through relationships with the members, um, also the leadership, um, what it looks like to find genuine belonging in the church through through honesty, through safety, through the Lord working, through humility, and, and all these things that I had I had I wasn't convinced actually existed in a church. I wasn't con- convinced a healthy healthy church really existed. So, and this is not the book is not about how great Emmanuel is. We, this is just a microcosm of what exists all over the place, and that I discovered here. Hmm. It's interesting when you talk about uh, your story, I resonate with it because I was a pastor's kid as well. I'm also a pastor. And uh, we make those connections because pastor's kids pretty much suffer a great deal. Uh, our church actually has a, a thrift store, and um, it's a, just a way to connect with the community and bring the community into our church. And I always set up my office and my, myself right in the middle of the thrift shop uh, on Fridays when I'm there at the church and just to be able to mingle with people. And oftentimes we'll get into conversations and and someone uh, will say, "Hey, you should you should try to come to church on a Sunday." And say, "Oh no, I was I was really hurt by church." And uh, my little quip yeah. back is, "Yeah, me too. I was a pastor's kid. Tell me about your hurt." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like do you think right. anyone was hurt more than than you or I? But uh, there there is a bit of a sting when you've been in church and you've been hurt by church. Um, that's just a, a normal thing. If you've ever been involved in church for an extended period of time, I think everyone can resonate with that sort of sting. Yeah, I think so. I think anybody who commits to a church, like you said, for a period of time is is bound to encounter difficulty, pain. I, I do draw a distinction in the book between being disappointed by the church mm-hmm. and being hurt by the church, because those are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them are very real. 
But disappointment in the church probably means my expectations for the church needed to be adjusted to something more truthful and biblical. Hurt by the church means I was sinned against. Mm. And that's that's a very real thing, and it really stings. And I mean, I've experienced both, where my expectations were wrong, and so I I was jaded, and then where there was sin in the church, again, you know, that affected me, that, that was costly. But that's the nature of a body of sinners in need of Christ. There, mm. there is no way to be in church and avoid the sting of sin, but there's also nowhere else to go to find redemption and reconciliation and wholeness from the sting of sin. Hmm. What would you say to someone that responds in that way? I've been hurt by church and they, they kind of are standoffish because I see that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I have a lot of compassion for people who, who feel that way. Similar to you. Like I, yeah, me too. This is my first response. I, I get it. I would want to hear a little bit of their story because there's how you respond. Uh, it is very shaped by, whether or not there are churches that are horrendous, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're sinful in the leadership, they're prideful, they're, they're abusive. And then there's a lot of churches that are just trying to be faithful and, and some, some hard things happen there. Yeah. That's not the same. Those are different categories. So I would want to know. And, but what I would ultimately want to do and really what I wanted to do in the book is to try to paint a picture that when we are pursuing Christ together, when we are humbly following Christ together, yes, there will be discomfort and, and sin. That's why the Bible gives us the one another commands, particularly forgive one another and bear with one another. You only have to do those if there's sin involved. Um, so Paul Paul knew these things. He's like, yep, that's going to happen. Um, and then I would say this, this is God's design. We were designed to be part of this, which means God doesn't design things badly. He has, he has a design in the church that is where healing, wholeness, meaningful relationships, recovery from pain, all of those things are designed to happen. And yeah, we botch it sometimes, maybe, maybe often, but that's still God's intent, and it is still happening in churches all over the world. Tell us a little bit about this sense of belonging. You mentioned in the book that everyone sort of has this sense of belonging. If that's the case, then why aren't more people in churches? Why why aren't why isn't everyone flocking to churches to find that belonging? I yeah, that's a great question. I think it's primarily because we we gauge belonging um, based on the wrong standards. We 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 will look for belonging based on common interests, based on a sense of. Um, a sense of feeling, man, this just feels great. I feel like I belong here. And, and I, I tried to list a whole bunch of different examples of where people find belonging in pretty genuine ways, but, you know, common causes, um, you know, you give yourself to it. Well, then the common cause is solved. And then when, what do you have? You know, a team, you're on a high school team. Well, then you graduate. What's your, what's your place of belonging? So every other source of belonging that people find, even if it's good, is temporary. It's going to come to an end. And we, we see the church more as an obligation than as a place of belonging, I think mm-hmm. more instinctively, because we fail to recognize design. That's so much of why belonging is supposed to be found in the churches, because that's what God made us for. Mm-hmm. And, and the truest senses of belonging are when we are living in the reality that God has made us for, walking in the way that he has laid out alongside other people doing the same which is why the church is not like anything else. It's almost unrecognizable to the world what can be found in the church because it it, it exists entirely in the reality of Christ and and not by any sort of human standard other than that. Mm. 
I've noticed a, a trend over the past uh, couple of years where um, a lot of people have, they want to belong, they want a relationship. Uh, they seem to want a relationship with me as the pastor, but they don't want a relationship with the rest of the church. Fellowship, it's hard to get them to come to fellowship. It's hard to get them to come on Sunday mornings in general. The idea, uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot within kind of Western civilization, that uh, Christianity is really about a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus. Uh, but you're really saying that that relationship requires this sense of belonging and community, which is which is another layer to that relationship. Yeah, it's it, and it's it's kind of a you need you need both. You need you need the belonging to have the relationship. You need the relationship to have the belonging. But people approach church very differently mm-hmm. than they do any other relationship, um, or, or they approach their relationship with God than they approach any other relationship. You know if. You know, if, if I talk about having a relationship with my wife and there are just a lot of practices that I should do consistently to make that a thriving thing. And I don't think of them as responsibilities, you know, presence, kindness, conversation, listening, humility, serving, um, creating windows of time where we can we can, you know, go out on dates and enjoy one of those. All of those are just like fundamental things to relationship. They're purposeful. They're intentional. They're committed. They're they require humility. They require apology. Nobody bats an eye at that. You ask somebody to do a similar kind of thing in the church, like oh no, church should be easy. It should like I should walk in and just like magic pixie dust, and I just should I should just feel like I belong. And there's that that's a disconnect from reality. The fact is that belonging requires investment. Mm. However, the math of it is awesome because if I'm investing that way and so is everyone else, I'm receiving way more than I'm giving. I'm mm. giving everything I've got, but I'm receiving everything everybody else has. And so I come out ahead in this. It's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great equation for, for a sense of belonging. Mm. You're talking about the, the kind of comparisons between family and friends. I think Timothy Keller talks about, you know, you get to, you, you don't get to choose your family, but uh, the contemporary, you know, millennial gets to choose their friends and that's their kind of chosen family. And if we think of the church mm-hmm. as the, the friends, the, the family that we're choosing, we're really kind of missing the concept of what we're actually called into. We're called into an actual family, a blood family yeah. uh, that is above our choosing. Yeah, it's it, the spiritual genetics are in place. What like I, you know, doesn't even matter if we like each other. And in fact, the the miracle of the work of Christ is that you become friends with people who you have no business being friends with because mm-hmm. of and in Jesus Christ. Um, Ephesians two is is maybe the clearest picture of that, talking about breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. People who could not be more different becoming unified in Christ. Mm-hmm. That. And, and, and the way that the Bible describes it is not, you will become this family. No, it says you are. This is what we are. So we can live according to what we are and discover the wonders of it, or we can deny what we are and try to, and try to redesign what God has already built, and that, that never goes well. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the biblical basis for this need to belong, this idea that, that we see from Paul that we're, we're a body of Christ, or even Jesus' teaching that we are one, we're supposed to be united, and and they'll know that we're his disciples because we love each other. Uh, this is a very fundamental basis for the Christian faith, and yet one we often bump up, bump up against in a, in a negative way. Yeah, we, 
I think Americans, maybe the, just the Western world is, is profoundly individualistic. Mm. We, and so I just was talking, I was talking a moment ago about uh, Ephesians and, and the way that the way that we read it is God and me. I am reconciled to God. I am saved by God. All of that is written to to the church. Mm-hmm. You all, or I mean, I live in Nashville, so it's just y'all. Like y'all are the body of Christ and are saved. This is a this is a, a cumulative communal thing, which means that anything that anything that we do to withdraw from that is removing ourselves from God's best for us. Belonging in the church is discovering God's best for us. And which, and if it's God's best, that means it's the best. Like there's not, there's nothing that tops God's best. So, so there's a, we, we resist it. We, we, uh, we find all sorts of reasons to do this. I'm an introvert. I have social anxiety. I, whatever. Those are real things. None of that has anything to do with God's design for us or how, or finding belonging. You don't need to be the most social extroverted bubbly personality to find profound, meaningful relationships in the church that are centered around what we share in Christ, hmm. that allow for honesty, that allow for confession, that allow for healing from past hurts or our own sins or sins against us. And that that's what's, that's what's promised there. Hmm. There's a humility process in, in being a part of a church and being a part of a, a group of people that you w- wouldn't otherwise associate with, which is the body of Christ, uh, from all tribes and all people and all nations. Uh, when we have that that humility process, uh, we all empty ourselves. We learn from that from Jesus. Uh, this Paul writing to the church in Philippi, you know, the this is the model that you must demonstrate. Uh, that was Jesus' words, they'll know you by my love. After he washed the disciples' feet, there's a demonstration here that requires humility in order to belong in a community of believers. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, humility is a thread that runs through any healthy relationship. I mean, close friendships, parenting, marriage, co-workers, whatever. If there's not humility, that's going to go off the rails fast. And it is profoundly true in the church. And you see that in... There, I think I listed something like 15 or 17 one another commands in in the book, just sort of highlighting this is this is the portrait. Like imagine a church that does these things. All of those are marked by humility. Um, you know, we can turn them prideful, but serve one another, care for one another, meet one another's needs, um, sing with one another, worship with one another, pray for one another, uh, teach one another. Okay, that one, you can be very arrogant and try to teach others, but if you do it with humility, everybody thrives, and so forth. Then you get to serve and bear with and forgive. And there's a, what that means is none of us are depending on our own talents or our own uh, impressiveness to bring value to the church. The value is inherent in me being an image bearer and you being an image bearer and all of us being an image bearer and simply reflecting Jesus Christ. And once we, once, once that's the reality, the burden is off. Mm. I don't have to impress anyone. I simply get to reflect Christ through all the one another's and in meaningful friendship and in joy and in fun and and in the hard times. Mm. You talk about how there's really not a formula for belonging, but you're writing to the church with this uh, kind of call for them to belong and to create a place where where others do belong. So if, if there's no perfect formula, how do we get to that place where we belong, but we also create a place where other people belong? Yeah, I think it's, 
there's almost nothing in the Christian life that's formulaic um, <laughs> that we, especially if you like, you know, something like systematic theology or formal theology, we love, we love that kind of thing, but it's uh, none of that really sums up the reality of Christianity because, because the reality of Christianity is, is a, is built around a person, Jesus Christ. That's not a formula. That's a, that's a character that's a that's an eternal being. That's that's a God. It's just, just it's this mind blowing reality that is that is you you always are discovering greater depths in, which is part of belonging in the church. Is just the what else are we going to discover about Christ through one another with one another, and so there there are ingredients though. So even if it's not a formula, like if if somebody can find genuine belonging in a church, you can be pretty confident that there are particular ingredients that are present there. Um, you, you have to hold to the truth of God's word. Otherwise, that's not a real church. You know, there's just, there has to be a profound clinging to God's word as authoritative and real. There has to be humility amongst the leaders and and the people and, and, and uh, the members. There has to be, um, there has to be the understanding that what we what we believe theologically shapes everything about how we live. So if I say Christ is forgiving, what does that say about me? It means I have to be forgiving. If I say Christ is is courageous, that means he's going to do the costly thing when it that that is the best thing. Well, I need to be courageous. I need to take on the cost of doing the right thing and so forth. So there's a there's a reality that attaches what we believe to how we live. And you and, and you see Christ likeness come out in conversations in church and in meeting of needs and in laughter and prayer and all these things which then creates a context of safety. And when I say safety, I'm not talking about the cultural safe space kind of thing. I'm talking about the place where you can, you can unburden yourself of the hardest, worst things in your life and be taken into the presence of Christ with your fellow church members to say, okay, well, there's only one place this is going to get healed and it's Jesus. So let's go. Mm. And that, that's that those ingredients are what create a context of belonging and that that's not that's not denominational that's not uh nobody's cornered the market on this it's a reality that that you know big church little church rural church uh urban church it doesn't really matter it it can be there it can be it can be discovered simply by staying low before the lord and pursuing him hmm. there's something beautiful about a church that uh, with a community just they, they just love on each other there's this spirit of of unity. There's this, there's a bond of peace, and you can get that sense even when you go to a church where there isn't that community of of believers, where there's discord, there's dysfunction, and even as a visitor, you get a sense right off the bat. If you've been to a lot of churches, you can sometimes tell very early on that there's sort of dysfunction underneath the surface. But when there's that bond, there's something special there, and that is ultimately what uh, mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying. With this is how other people are going to know that you're different. Hey, you have hope, and uh, you demonstrate that hope through your your lives, and they're looking for that sort yeah. of belonging in, in their own lives. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. Jesus said, you, "They will know you are my disciples by your love." The the Francis Schaeffer wrote a little book called "The Mark of a Christian," and it is entirely about what it means to genuinely love one another within within the Christian body such that the outside world goes, that's that's different, that's miraculous, that's remarkable. And what you're talking about with the, you walk into a church and 
this is true for people who have been around the church for a long time. If you're new to church, just look for things that resemble Jesus. That's a really good starting point. If you've been in church for a long time, there's just, a, there's a, like you said, there's sort of a, a sixth sense. And what I've come to realize is I think that that's what I would call the aroma of Christ mm. or lack thereof, because it's not a checklist. It's not great teaching, great singing, great whatever, because there are churches that check every appropriate box and lack love, mm-hmm. which is, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, if I speak with the tongue of, what is it, prophets and angels and have not love, I'm a clanging gong and a resounding symbol. It's basically like, I am, he says, I am nothing. So love is the mark. And not just, this doesn't just mean friendliness. It means the kind of love that takes on cost, that that goes that walks with somebody through all all the all of life's things, the hardships and and the joys. Mm. We're living in a in a culture now. We've come out of a a time period where people were really evaluating this process of belonging, and uh, for the churches that are starting to look at opportunities to grow and expand and reach out into their communities. What kind of advice do you have in considering this subject of of providing a place where people actually belong? I have so many thoughts on this. I'm going to try to uh, keep it tight and not give a long list. The, the, the primary one that comes to mind is that a culture built around resembling Jesus Christ is way more important than any strategy. Hmm. You, the leadership books have said this forever. You know, culture eats strategy for breakfast and all that kind of thing, but. But the depths of that reality are so profound. If you look at the early church, the you know, Acts 2 through 10 or whatever, when the church almost didn't exist and then they're just figuring out, they had no strategy whatsoever. They did have a culture of adoration of the word, serving one another, um, and, and proclaiming the gospel so that there was prayer, there was scripture, and there was serving one another with joy, breaking bread together. So there's fellowship. That, that's a culture. And then and then the growth of the church happened because of that. So for churches who are trying to who, who are interested in growth, have a culture that will hold on to people. They come in and they go, this is unlike anything I found anywhere else because I've encountered the love of Christ here unlike anywhere else. I've encountered the reality of the gospel here in a way that both convicts me of my sin and gives me hope unlike anything I've encountered before to 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 be forgiven, to be recovered, that Jesus really loves me. Doesn't mean sometimes we skip that part in the gospel and we're like, you need forgiveness. And we forget the part where like Jesus smiles on you. He calls you brother. He calls you friend. Those are that's you have that culture in a church. Growth growth is liable to happen and it's going to be the kind of growth you want because it's people who are flocking to what matters most. We, we live in a culture where the, the mantra is like attracts like, and uh, I hear this all the time and, and it's, it's really detrimental to a church's mission to reach their community because there are so many people unlike mm-hmm. us in the community that we're meant to serve. Uh, so we have to almost shed that mantra and realize that we need to be a community yeah. of people uh, that are able to humble ourselves, welcoming each other, being together, and love each other despite our differences, while also serving the community that God has planted us in. And and uh, being in New England, I know there are a lot of churches that are uh, much older generations and uh, looking to bring in younger families. Uh, what what encouragement do you have to churches that are are really struggling, especially here, um, one of the least reached uh, you know. Uh, portions yeah. of the United States. What kind of a encouragement do you have for 
many of our listeners and, and their churches. Yeah. Well, let me let me speak first to that idea of like attracts like. That's straight up anti-Christian. Just it is it is anti-biblical. The from from the earliest pages of Genesis, when God gives his initial covenants, he says, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed to Abraham. So he builds a people for himself to bless the entire world. His intent was always to bring together people who have nothing in common with one another around Jesus Christ. That's the reality of the Christian church is that Christ breaks down the dividing wall of hostility, unifies those who are who have nothing in common, makes friends out of enemies that and if that's not happening in our church are we are we a real church or at least are we a healthy church if it is all if if what binds us together is similarity you've got a country club not a church yeah. so that that's uh what that also does is it it frees us up even if it's really difficult to not hunker down in our traditions. So thinking about generational gaps in churches, for example, if there's an older church that wants to bring in younger families, there's going to be some sacrifices made probably on the stuff that's not essential. Music style, not essential. Um, child, you know, kids programs. There's a hundred right ways to do that stuff in church. But what is essential is the gospel of Jesus Christ unifying us. And that's you, that means you can be unified as a 24-year-old mom with a 64-year-old grandma. Like, Y'all can be great friends in Christ. And and that it's that reality. And if that's clung to, there's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some difficulties. But but the growth in the unity and the, the vibrance of the place can be absolutely genuine. And so in a big piece of that is not making matters of second and third importance, the things that we we cling to most. We cling to Jesus and we hold those other things with an open hand because only one of these things is eternal and it's not it's not any it's not any preferential stuff for any of our listeners who are headed to church this sunday they're going to gather with their their community their faith family uh, what advice do you have for them or things that they can think about in their preparation but also ways that they can approach church differently that may actually help it's a really that's a really good question um i think about this so often from the church leadership side just because that's i mean that's that's the the role god's called me to um, on the membership side, I think, I think starting small, you know, this is the kind of thing that members can influence with the people they're close to. So if you have close friends, how is that friendship shaped? Is it shaped around the one another commands? Is it shaped around, uh, a, a, any, an interaction that reflects Christ? And I don't mean every, every conversation is about the Bible. I just mean like the, the tone, the attitude, the humility, the looking out for one another, the, the putting one another first, those kinds of things. Um, it, there's a, there's an aspect here about, you know, serving and committing to the church. Cause like, let me, let me rephrase your question. Those people who are considering going to church, don't consider it, commit to it. Like there's the, you cannot belong to a thing you, you won't give yourself to. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find belonging in a church, you have to be there. You have to show up. I can't belong to a relationship that I periodically drop in on. And, uh, and so, so that's a piece is just move from thinking about attending to committing. Move from like, it's a thing that we do to it's a thing we must do. And mm-hmm. we're going to rearrange the rest of our life around it. And that sounds that sounds super kind of countercultural for us because uh, vacations come first and travel sports for the kids comes first and all this stuff. But 
all of those things are actually good things that are hindering the best thing, which is giving ourselves to the body of Christ. Mm. As, as fellow pastors, we want people to understand the value of belonging to the church, the real joy that you yeah. get when you have that sense of belonging. But a lot of people, as you said, they have a hard time committing to the church and they're missing out on that, that blessing of belonging. They're, they're, they're not able to really fully understand what it means to be a part of a community of multiple generations, of multiple ethnicities that can really come around you in your time of need. Um, sometimes we don't realize it until we need it, but we definitely need it and we need to prioritize it as, as you're saying, make church a priority in your life and not just for you, but for your whole family, for the sake of your own children. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is, it is difficult to paint a picture of the beauty of belonging to those who have never experienced it in the same way that it's difficult to paint a picture of the beauty of the gospel to somebody who doesn't yet believe it. There is an aspect here of it. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the stuff come alive. Mm-hmm. What I would encourage a professing Christian to do as they think about this, and they're sort of, if they feel bored or lukewarm or like the kind of a, I, yeah, I want, I, I like the concept of belonging. I'm not sure I like the, the commitment or the steps of belonging is to go look at some of the pictures that are painted in the new Testament. You, you know, I think about John 16 and 17, where Jesus prays for his disciples and for the future church. And I think of Ephesians one and two, where we see the the theology of the gospel, and then a picture of what it looks like in the church. And I think of Philippians 2, where there's just this, there's this picture of, of serving one another. And I think of Romans 12. You read some of these things and say, is that what you want in on? That's what's promised. That's mm-hmm. what belonging actually looks like. And again, it's not going to be perfect. It's, you know, Don't go in thinking it's going to be smooth sailing all the time, but you commit to it. And others do the same. And there's a there's a reality that Christ works there that's unlike anything else in the world because it because it's an eternal reality. Hmm. It's a real encouragement when you when you understand that encouragement. Uh, you you don't want to you don't want to back out of it. You, you, I need my church um, and I need the community, and I'm seeing it grow. And it's in a it's a constant reminder to me. Uh, with that being said, uh, could I ask you to pray for that end uh, for the the hope, especially here in New England, where there's so many challenges in in churches that are struggling and churches that are planting, uh, could I ask you to pray for us here as we seek to to be belong to the church, but also provide a place where others can belong? Absolutely, I would love to pray. Let's do that, Father in heaven. Uh, your word is full of commands, but promises as well, and also it's it's a it is a depiction of what you have already accomplished, what Christ has done. So, so the picture of a church where belonging exists is something you've already done. It's not something we have to we have to generate. We simply need to walk in the way you've already laid out for us. So, thinking about the the region of New England and it's just the spiritual coldness and the the resistance to the gospel. And uh, I know there are so many faithful churches and ministers in that area struggling in small congregations and just feeling the, the the cultural pushback. I pray that that this idea of the reality of Christ in a church would be a breath of refreshment that churches would catch this vision. So whether it's a church of 27 people or 270 people, that there would just be a vibrance reflecting Jesus Christ 
um, to one another and then obviously to their community around them so that there's a there's a a vision for those who don't yet know Jesus of wow that that looks amazing I want in I pray that this would be this would be a thing that that overcomes um, divisions that overcomes hostilities that overcomes coldness between people generational gaps cultural gaps so that there's unity between those it, it doesn't make any sense uh, for them to be friends for them to be close but in Christ they become true true family and we pray these things in the name of Jesus amen amen We've been talking with Barnabas Piper about his book. It's called Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. It's a great resource and one that I, I quite honestly think is incredibly important for this time in, in our place, especially here in New England. If you'd like to find out more information about the book, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. And Barnabas, I can't thank you enough. I know your story. I know your passion for the church. And uh, I share it in many ways with the desire to create a place where people belong and we can advance the kingdom of God together. Yeah, well, thank you. And I thank you for all you're doing. Uh, This has been an encouraging conversation for me. I hope it has been for those listening as well.